when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. And Peter Dowd of the Irish Gardener uh, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. I was, I was, you came, sprang to mind yesterday when I was seeing some, I was watching it on TV. I'm sure I read something online about it and it's on, uh, it's on some of the papers as well about the pesticide use uh, driving an alarming decline in the world's insects population. They're saying it could have a catastrophic impact on the nature's ecosystem. I mean, alarming things that they're saying in the past 30 years, the total mass of all insects dropped on average by 2.5 percent a year and they're saying in a hundred years they could all be gone it's it's this is the <clears throat> the drum if you like that i've been banging for god knows how long and it's it's we have to wake up to the fact that this is we are witnessing the, the the greatest the fastest rate of extinction that we've seen on this planet in 55 million years it's it's happening in front of our eyes and we're allowing it and we have to all of us not just politicians and big business but individuals have to wake up to this and and do what we can to slow it down and stop it and and stop you know stop stop getting the plastic packaging and throwing it out get back to the garden the answer to everything trish lies in the garden that that's where everything survives all our food all our medicine comes from the the 6 inches of soil that cover the planet and all the insects and animals survive or or depend on it as well um it it is happening i hate to be alarmist but we need to wake up and as the fellow says smell the it's coffee that, yeah. this is happening I, I didn't see that piece on TV but I've yeah. heard about it yeah uh, it's, it was a big it, it was a big study it's a study coming out from uh, researchers in Sydney and Queensland University but what I thought was really interesting was they looked back they did a review of 76 historic reports of insect decline across the world so they were able to map it year on year on year so they had the evidence there it's yeah. worrying, it's, really it worrying. Is, it's frightening stuff. It is frightening stuff. This. No, I, I was glad to see yesterday, I put it up on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it or not, but, um, uh, and it's important to, if people don't realise the, 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 the majority of slug pellets that we sell in Ireland and in the UK at the moment uh, work on the active ingredient metaldehyde, which I probably mentioned to you before, Trish. Yeah. Uh, metaldehyde is an incredibly toxic substance. It does kill slugs and snails, but it will also kill the predators of slugs and snails, which birds. are birds, yeah. birds and hedgehogs. But metaldehyde will go further. It will kill your domestic pets. If It's toxic to us humans if we eat enough of it. Uh, it's a very, very damaging chemical. Delighted to see in the UK they've banned the use of it from uh, 2020 on. Uh, hopefully, um, 
the Irish government were still waiting for an answer from them, of course, uh, because they're never leading the way on anything to do with with the sustainability or the, the environment, because it's just not on their agenda. But uh, if people could, could just do one thing after reading about this and watching it on TV, just do one thing. Next time you're going buying soap pellets, have take 20 seconds to look for the active ingredient. If you see something called metaldehyde, leave it behind you. If you care enough, tell the retailer, be it Tesco's or be it the garden centre, why you're leaving it behind you and each, each one of us do this will begin to make a small bit of a difference. Yeah, and if all of us, uh, that's, what, that's what it'll take. It's everybody doing the small bit. You, you light the candle rather than curse the darkness. You okay, let's get, get straight in. Lots of questions in. Rita in Dreamer League was on. Uh, could you ask Peter, please, about blue orchids? Are they dyed? If they reflower, will they remain blue? It depends. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, Trish. It depends on the orchid. Uh, I suspect what the, the caller is referring to is... Um, uh, what they may have bought over Christmas, which is the, the Phalaenopsis or the moth orchid, which has exactly, it has been dyed blue. Um, it's either been dyed through the roots or it's actually been sprayed. But no, once that flowers again, it, it'll come back white. No, it'll still be a beautiful, beautiful white orchid, but, but white. But there are some then, orchid, or, or, orchid wanda is one, which is a purpley blue. It's a really stunning flower, but probably not what they're talking about. It is available in garden centres, but it's, it's probably the, the, the blue, sprayed blue or dyed blue phalaenopsis, which will come back white. Mike in Bantry. Hi, Peter. I planted common privet hedge this morning. Is that good for bees? Yes, very good for pollinators, well actually. Yeah, lovely, lovely white flowers, kind of early summer. Yeah, very good for pollinators. OK, and good to know that he's even thinking about the bees. Uh, well done uh, to you, Mike. Um, Tim in West Cork. Hi, uh, Trish. Question for Peter, please. What is the best way to get rid of moss in a lawn and when is the best time to do it? I just cut the lawn, thanking you from Tim in West Cork. Lots of people are cutting their lawns. Yes, there's... Um the, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a long answer to this one, but I'll keep it as brief as I can. And and moss is a constant problem in our in our climate because it's warm and it's damp our climate, and that's what moss likes. Okay, so the the best course of action if you want an annual maintenance program, I would scarify it once a year in the spring, which is like a mechanical rake, Trish, which which pulls out the thatch and physically removes the moss up out of the ground, and then you you collect it. So if you scarify it once a year. You're maintaining conditions which are which is good for good grass growth as opposed to moss growth. By leaving the thatch on the moss and the moss on the soil surface, you're you're creating conditions which is ideal again for the development of more moss. So scarify it once a year, I would say. Pre-treat it early in the season with a thing called lawn gold extra. Now you've heard me go on going on about lawn gold before, and that's because the reason I like it is because it's a real back to basics product. It works on if you. If you create the, the, the right pH for grass growth, that's a slightly alkaline pH, well, that's a P, soil pH that moss can't grow in. So it's quite simple, basic stuff. So uh, the, by using the long gold extra, it's high in gypsum, or high in calcium, which comes from the gypsum, uh, which cre- al- creates alkaline conditions, which moss can't tolerate. Now, you then need to continue with that long gold. They have, they have a different one for each season with the different nutrients for the right time of the year. But that will maintain a moss-free lawn uh, by by. Ch- by keeping the pH quite alkaline, that will do it. A lot of traditionally what we use is sulphate of iron, lawn sand, which is also sand with sulphate of iron, and and a lot of the products contain sulphate of iron. Now, sulphate of iron will control moss. It will kill moss, but what it does is, number one, it turns moss black, uh, so then you're left with black moss, but number two, it's a short-term fix because sulphate of iron has the the other effect of, of acidifying the soil slightly, so making the soil 
more conducive to moss growth in the longer term. So really, I'd be looking at the other way around, uh, scarifying it in March, applying the lawn gold and keeping the pH quite alkaline. Stay on lawns. Uh, Mike in Fremont, is it too early to set a lawn? Uh, well, you know, the weather the way it is, it's hard to say. <laughs> like, it's 10 degrees or thereabouts at the moment, so you'd say no. But like the textbook answer is it, it, it is too early, yes. You can do all the soil preparation now for your lawn, raking it to create a fine tilt, removing the stones, all of that. But really, the, the, the answer I should give is you wouldn't set it until March. March, April would be the, the months that I would set it when the temperatures are increasing properly. And you wouldn't say all risk of frost is gone then, but it's certainly less than what it would be now. Aileen in Clonakilty has five orchids in total. She received them all as presents. I don't know if she got them all at the same time or not, but she said the roots are now growing out of the pots. It's almost like the roots are out of control. What do I do with them? Also, could you offer advice on watering, please? As I've been told, you only water them for six weeks out of the year. Is that true? I don't know that I'd agree that that is true, but what I would say is the fact that the roots are, as she, as she describes them quite quite well, out of control or they look like they're out of control, that's fine. Don't worry about that. Orchids need to be under pressure to flower. So they need to be pot bound. If you take them out of the pot they're in and do what you think is the right thing by putting them into a nice pot full of rich compost, they'll love it, but they won't flower for another few years because they need to be under pressure and really breaking the pot. Uh, they would actually be cracking the pot before I would look at repotting them and even then just go up maybe half an inch in diameter with, with the new pot. Um, so I probably, if, if she only got them relatively recently, she says, I wouldn't be looking at repotting them for a while yet. Uh, if she wants, send in a picture or put it, send it in to me on Facebook and we'll have a look at it um, to see whether it should be repotted or not. Um, in terms of watering, water them from beneath. In other words, stand them into a bowl of water. Uh, I would do it about... <laughs> You, the, the, where the person is going with the six weeks in the year, that's kind of the... the when I'm, one, I'm wondering now, did she mean it's she only waters them every six weeks? Okay, maybe that's what they yeah. meant. Or maybe they, maybe they meant just water them when they're flowering, which would be six six to ten weeks in the year, if you like. Okay. I would say stand when they're flowering, stand them in water maybe once a week. Then when they're not flowering in their dormant period, drop it down to once a fortnight or once every three weeks. Question for Peter, please. Is now the time to shift a wild damson slash plum tree? Also, black currants, red currants, strawberries. Can they be moved at this time? You would say normally yes in February because it's still the dormant time of the year. But again, I'm referring to the fact that the temperatures are about 10 degrees at the moment. I'd nearly say no. Like if we go back two weeks ago to when we were covered in a bit of snow and frost, Trish, I would have said that was the perfect time to do it because all these things need to be moved when they're fast asleep, when they're dormant during the winter and they're not even thinking about growing, which normally would bring you up to the end of February. Um, I'm not sure where that answer leaves you because this year is, 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 you know, things are beginning to start growing already. So, you know, the longer you leave it, the less chances you're going to have of success. So if you need to do it, then do it as soon as possible, I would say, is the short answer. And staying on the moving, uh, Bridget, could you ask Peter, please, is it too late to move a rose? I never knew when I purchased the rose that it was a climbing rose and it's now gone on over the place. I want to move it nearer a wall. Uh, I would say the same answer as what I just gave to the last one. In other words, the sooner you do it, the better. Now, by the sound of it, uh, um, it's probably only planted in the last year or so if, if she didn't realise that it's a climber. Now it is a climber, so she wants to move it. So if it's only a year or so on the ground, it should move fairly easily. And don't be scared to cut it back very, very hard. Like, you can cut that back to within a foot of its life um, and, and move it. The rose, I'd be confident enough, would transplant fine at, at the moment, yeah. 
Pat in Skibbereen wants to buy some rhubarb stools in the spring, but it's the champagne variety. Should he get the reddest stalks possible? Ah, it, it, that doesn't really matter so much, provided he's getting the right variety and the champagne should be readily enough available. Um, it, it shouldn't matter so much because that will be determined by the ground that they're going into in his own garden anyway. So I would know. I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Pat, uh, Patrick on Twitter. We have out of control hydrangeas. So I'm just wondering when and how to cut them right back. You can cut them back any time really before the end of February. So you could be doing it now. Um, if they're out of control, as he says, they're probably a big established plants. So like if something hasn't been pruned, let's say in five or ten years or even more, uh, you can take out, it's what's called restorative pruning. You can take out an awful lot of the really heavy wood, like the big stems that could be as thick as your arm. You could, I wouldn't remove all of them in one in one go. It would be too big a shock to the plant. But you could remove, let's say, half of the, the, the big heavy branches down to nearly ground level. Concentrating on what's left then, which would be maybe your finger thickness, uh, and that's when we get to the, you can cut them back as hard as you want, but that's when we get to that magic number, Trish, and that's the seven yeah. nodes. So counting from the soil up, if you look at the stems, they're, they're dormant at this time of the year, there won't be any leaves, but you'll see the, the, the dormant leaf buds on the stems. So counting from the ground up, make sure you leave seven leaf buds or more on each stem. Don't go back any further. If you do go back any further and cut to the ground level, you won't damage the plant but you will start you'll have no flowers yeah. Yeah. yeah and then they'll, they'll come back in a few years time ok I bought uh, this is from Susan I bought a pot of hyacinths from my windowsill and they're now dying off do I simply throw them away oh I hate uh, the idea of throwing them away no I, yeah. I, would, I would hate to think that plants have become disposable now as well no I would say not um, the, the, leave them die off naturally now so what 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 she got there was Christmas hyacinths they're, they're hyacinth bulbs which it. Uh, the technical bit is they'd gone through a period of cold stratification to trick them into thinking that that it was springtime, so that they flower for Christmas. Um, they won't do that again. So what? But they will flower again. So what you do now is just treat them as a normal hyacinth bulb, which is when the foliage has died off. Wrap them in a bit of newspaper or leave them in a dry pot of soil uh, until the until sorry until the autumn, say September October. Then plant them outdoors, plant them outside, and they'll flower away next spring in the garden for you. Uh, hi, uh, Patricia. Just wondering if you could ask Peter, please. What would he suggest I plant for flowering boxes for the end of May? Uh, I hate these questions. You never <laughs> know what's going to be in flower. Uh, and I was just talking to a lady there whose whose daughter is getting married. And I May imagine this 21. is the same thing. It's either yeah. or, or, it's, or it's the first Holy Communion, and people are trying yeah. to plan because they want for the photographs. Yeah, so if they had been asking me what to plant in terms of shrubs, I, because I've just been thinking about it for the last 20 minutes, I could have told them. You could be looking at things like the Mexican orange blossom or the mock orange or spirea. They'll all give loads of colour in the last week in May. In, in terms of flower boxes, the last week, I used to be, you see, it's a bit early for bedding, summer bedding. It's not too early to be planting it out, but it'll be a bit too early to be getting masses of colour. But... I would say it's going to be, then on the other hand, it's going to be a bit too late for your spring bedding, which are your polyanthus and your spring bulbs. They'll all be finished, I would say to you. So I think I would be looking at summer bedding. Sorry, I'm thinking out loud as I'm answering this one, Trish. Oh, you're fine. It's sounding good. I would be looking at the summer bedding, your petunias, uh, maybe some geraniums and things like that. But the best advice I can give you is get to your local garden centre in the first, second week of May. See what they have. See what's showing colour. Plant them feed them and they'll come on even more it will be summer bedding plants that you're looking at them. Oh yeah but it's, it's good to get planning she's doing the right thing. Yes, uh, Noel has a red robin hedge in its second season. Should I feed and trim it 
And if so, when and with what? Yes, and right now. So I would, again, trim it. Uh, I love the red robin grown as a hedge, but a well-kept and a well-maintained red robin hedge looks stunning. A a, a badly or poorly maintained one doesn't. It looks very gappy and and airy and leggy. So do trim it to keep it good and bushy. Trim it again before the end of February. Feed it with any good general-purpose fertiliser will do, really, even a mulch of farmyard manure or something like that. Uh, Just something to increase the the, the, the nitrogen levels around the soil, around the root, root zone. Uh, and trim it now and yeah that should be enough for the year Listener Justin Hi Patricia Kajas Peter when is the right time to transplant Comfy? Uh, again it's like what I said earlier that, that you should be fine up to the end of February because it is the right time to be moving plants anytime between November and the end of February but because it's so mild now there is a bit of a risk but the sooner the better Okay, get out and enjoy the garden. And we've lovely spring weather this week, so enjoy it. And it's nice and mild as well. All right, uh, Peter, we leave it there. Perfect. If I could just mention very quickly, uh, just apropos of what we were talking about at the very start of the piece, Trish, with with the declining insect species. This has nothing to do with me, but people may be interested. There is the National Biodiversity Conference on in Dublin Castle this week coming, or next week, the 20th and 21st of February. Uh, in Dublin Castle so if anyone's in Dublin next week this should be a very interesting uh, seminar to to go to there'll be a lot of exhibits and things that it's all about the uh, sustainability and biodiversity being organised by the National Biodiversity and it's something we all need to be concerned about All right, Peter have a good week Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.